0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Hey, friends. This is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Quirology, a podcast on belief and being... This is episode 14.
0: So we end up in these echo chambers, where we only listen to and talk to people who already think like us. And we're preaching to the choir, and we're hearing what we're preaching echoed right back to us, and we lose the ability to understand people who are different from us, which also means we lose the ability to reach them, to change their minds.
1: I remember the day that I got Justin Lee's book, Torn, Rescuing the Gospel from the Gays Versus Christian Debate, in the mail. Uh, I, like, ran to my mailbox, pulled it open. I was in college at the time, and, like, spent the rest of my day in my dorm room just devouring the book. Uh, And it was the first book that I read. Uh, This was at a time when there really wasn't a whole lot of resources out there for gay Christians. Uh, And it was the first book that I read that actually told a story that deeply resonated with me. Justin's story felt like my story. And reading the journey of his liberation from growing up within a very conservative evangelical framework to holding on to his faith but finding a faith that is accepting and fully affirming of LGBT people, that book gave me hope for the first time. I am so excited to have Justin on the podcast today. Uh, before we dive into all of that, this weekend, uh, Kevin Garcia, uh, he, he has a podcast called A Tiny Revolution. He blogs. If you're not familiar with him, go to com. He's a dear friend of mine. Kevin's going to be in town in Seattle, and we're doing a Seattle meetup. So if you're in the Seattle or surrounding areas want to come hang out with us, it's going to be a drop-in event at Drip City Coffee in downtown Seattle, 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, come hang out with us. The details are on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Matthias Roberts, and we will see you on Saturday. I'm super excited. For the last two decades, Justin Lee has been an influential Christian advocate for LGBT affirmation. I think he's best known for working across areas of theological disagreement to promote grace, uh, mutual understanding, Uh, His book, Torn, the one that I mentioned earlier, has been cited widely for its role in changing conservative Christians' attitudes uh, and helping Christian parents accept their LGBT kids. Uh, Justin's the founder of the Gay Christian Network, uh, which he founded in 2001, uh, and over his 16 years as the executive director of that organization, he grew it into the largest LGBT Christian organization in the world. Justin's been featured on Dr. Phil, Anderson Cooper, All Things Considered. He's front page of the New York Times. Uh, His work has been called Ingenious by the Advocate. Uh, And today, uh, Justin continues uh, to speak around the world, working to change uh, Christian hearts and minds uh, and trying to create a better world for LGBT Christians. Uh, He and the Gay Christian Network parted ways earlier this year. Uh, Justin talks about that a little bit uh, in this episode uh, and also shares with what he's up to now. He has a new book coming out next year. Uh, Some great things in the work. Uh, Justin asked me to mention this at the beginning of the episode, uh, since he didn't get into it, but he has founded a new nonprofit called Nuance Ministries. And while he's still working on getting that off the ground, uh, you can find out all of the details about that over at his website, uh, which is geekyjustin.com. Let's go ahead and dive in. Justin, how are you doing today?
0: I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. It's great to have you on the podcast.
0: I just said I was doing all right, and then you're doing well. I feel like you're one-upping me already.
1: <laughs> that's, that's the goal, right? No. Um, <laughs> uh, so to start, um, how would mm. you identify? Uh, and then how would you say that your faith has helped form or informs that identity?
0: Dude, that's such a big question. Right? How do you identify? I mean, I, uh, so many things. Mm. Um, I'm 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 a geek. Uh, I'm, a a white cisgender gay male. Um, I somewhat tentatively, um, use the word evangelical mm. to describe myself. And I say tentatively because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. My faith has been important in my life, uh, for as long as I can remember from, you know, a very young age, um, and the reality is the the flavor of christianity that that i was brought up in the flavor of christianity that is uh has mo- most influenced me throughout my life um is evangelicalism mm-hmm. at, at the same time uh evangelicals have have gotten a really bad reputation of late mm-hmm. uh at least in in the us and uh for some really good reasons actually mm-hmm. and so you know, I find myself on the one hand uh, kind of wanting to distance myself from certain things and say, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like these folks." And yet, at the same time, well, I kind of am like these folks, yeah. um, and and I would like to see these folks do some things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, that's why I sort of tentatively identify myself that way because I'm always afraid. That that people are going to immediately write me off, right? Uh, you know, there was a thing recently where a, a bunch of evangelicals very publicly said, "I just can't identify myself as evangelical anymore," mm-hmm. and um, and I I totally get that impulse. I really, really do. And part of me is afraid that people will say, "Well, why haven't you also said that?" Yeah, and um and there are a lot of reasons. Um, but but one of those reasons is. That I still feel like in many ways these are my people, even while wanting the evangelical church to do better. And I feel like in some ways it's easier for me to say "do better" um, from from the inside. Yeah. But yeah. but I also kind of cringe when, <laughs> when I say
1: it. Yeah, I think like that that feels like a, a fairly common sentiment to me because like I I feel like I always kind of I have that same kind of relationship with that word of like. A feeling like these are my people, and I like still feel like most comfortable in a quote unquote evangelical church worship situation. And yet, it's really hard to hold that tension. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, in some ways, I would argue that some of the trends that I've seen, at least in American evangelicalism in my life, um, from my way of thinking, essentially betray what I think of as evangelicalism. Yeah. Um, what I think that, that that the faith is about mm. or should be about. Mm. And ultimately, you know, at the same time, I want to say, I, I think it should be about Christ and not about our own labels. And so, you know, when we... Kind of segment ourselves off and 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 say, well, I'm this kind of Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that can be helpful in some ways, but it also can be unhelpful in others. And so, ultimately, what I care about is not the label right. at all. I mean, what I care about is um, is is Jesus is is you know seeking God, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and that to me that's really what's important, not the label, but. Yeah, it's a love hate relationship. Totally. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. So to kind of jump right in, because I know that this is the question kind of on everyone's mind. Um,
0: uh huh. And, <laughs>
1: and and I know that it's it's kind of it's a sensitive the airspeed
0: velocity of an unladen swallow. <laughs> Please let that be it.
1: Yeah, that is it. Um, I know that that it's kind of. I mean, I know that there's like non-disclosure forms that have been signed and, and there's not, I would imagine there's not much that can be said, but what can you say about GCN? Um, and kind of what has happened in the past few months and, and where you're at with that and what, what are you able to say?
0: Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, I started the organization, uh, 16 years ago Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I did that for a long time and, um, and I'm not with the organization anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, obviously it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's tough for, for everybody. It's tough for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know it's particularly tough for folks who really want to know, uh what happened
2: yeah
0: and uh you know you're right in saying that i i i can't uh talk about what happened right. um which is is <laughs> tough for me because i'm i'm uh uh you know when it comes to other people's stuff I i believe in keeping confidentiality if somebody mm-hmm. says you know will you you know can i confide this in you will you keep this confidential mm-hmm. that i have no problem with but when it comes to my own stuff i'm you know i i i like to talk i'm a blabbermouth and um uh so it's it's kind of you know, it goes against my nature to be like um i have answers to your question and i cannot talk about it. <laughs> um but i will say that uh it uh you know i'm not with the organization anymore but, you know there but there's a there's a public statement that's out there uh, and, uh, you know, people can, uh, catch up with, with me. There's, uh, uh I have a website at, uh, justinspeaks.com that redirects to us a, a section of my personal website that's sort of dedicated to this, Yeah. uh, you know, as much as I can say. Right. Um, but, uh, I'll just say that it's been, it's not been easy, mm. um, being separated um, from something that was my life for 16 years. I, I mean, I still catch myself, you know, wanting to introduce myself to folks as uh, the executive director of an organization I'm not the executive director of anymore. Right. Uh, I, th- I threw out my old uh, business cards mm. yesterday. Yeah. Um, so regardless of the sort of reasons, um for that parting of the ways that, that I can't talk about. Uh, I can say that it is, it's still, um, an emotional, uh, it's still an emotional thing. Yeah. Um, but I believe that there is a lot of work to be done. Hmm. In this, in this area. Mm-hmm. There's there's a ton of work there. There are lots of people who need support. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversation needs to get bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, people's voices need to be uh, heard that have not been heard. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of folks who need to not get left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the concerns that I have about the, the movement in general is that I think those of us who are somewhere in the LGBT plus, 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 uh, spectrum and, and Christian, um, who have reconciled ourselves and, and figured all that out and feel comfortable with who we are Mm -hmm. can forget that there are a lot of people out there who either, haven't reconciled themselves or haven't, um, gotten to where we are with regard to their church or their family or, you know, where, what they ought to be doing as Christians to support LGBT folks. There are lots of folks who still don't get it. Mm -hmm. And it is so easy to leave them behind Mm -hmm. and to say, basically, look, if they're not on board by now, they're never going to get on board. And so we're not going to, Uh, bother trying to dialogue with them or reason with them or, or listen to them because we've moved on. Right. And you know what? That's, that's easy for you, but there are still people in those churches. There are still kids in those families who need us to be there for them Mm. and who need us to, to not just try to provide a new bubble for them, Mm -hmm. but to work to help their churches and their families and their communities understand them. I think that work is still very important. And I think that work as well as the support work uh, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's not about any one organization. All of us are standing on the shoulders of those who came before us, and yeah. other folks will stand on our shoulders, and that's the way that it's always worked in history and in the church. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this particular split is is difficult uh, for me, as it is for everybody else, but but I think um, we shouldn't blow it up into something more than it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm to piggyback on that a little bit like are are you like what what is next for you because it sounds like i mean you have been doing this work for the last 16 years i would imagine you're probably not gonna stop um (laughs) (laughs) what's next
0: yeah (laughs) i i don't think i have it in me to uh sit down (laughs) and relax (laughs) Yeah. I've never been, I, so, uh, a few years ago, uh, when I lived in North Carolina and I live in Orlando now, I love Orlando. When I lived in North Carolina, I was like three hours from the beach. Mm. And, um, I, uh, had some friends visiting who didn't have a beach near them and they really want to go to the beach. And so we drove out to the beach mm. and, uh, they, uh, my friends put their beach towels out on the sand and um so i put mine down and and we all lay down on the towels and you know i was lying there for like two or three minutes and i was like so what do you guys want to do now (laughs) (laughs) they're like we want to keep lying here (laughs) okay for about how long (laughs) i i uh i don't do the the rest and relax thing very well i like to be active i like to do new things yeah um, and right now, I, d- I think there's so much that we need. Mm. Um, I am really, really, well, for one thing, I'm, uh, I'm still very much, uh, uh, very passionate about this uh, uh, LGBT Christian work. Yeah. Um, I am continuing to have conversations with influential Christian leaders, particularly in evangelical spaces, although not only in evangelical spaces, mm-hmm. uh, to work to increase understanding to help them become more supportive of LGBT folks, um, to uh, to work to change hearts and minds. I think that work is so important, and I think there cannot be enough of us doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody's listening to this and is wondering whether that's something they ought to get into because they, they kind of feel a calling in that direction, I would say please listen to that. Yeah. Uh, because we need those conversations happening. We absolutely need them. Mm-hmm. So I'm continuing to do that. I'm working on some new content, um, some uh, videos and and such uh, that I'm going to uh, put out as soon as I can. And um, also I'm really interested a little bit more broadly in conversations about and with nuance. Mm. We're, we're living in this world right now. Where it feels like all the nuance is gone. Mm. Um, it's it's it, 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 in the LGBT Christian conversation, as well as more broadly uh, around politics, around um, race and gender and um, identity and um, social uh, groups that we're in, and everything else. Mm-hmm. We're 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 losing our willingness to listen to people who are different from us and we're losing the nuance. And, um, and so you get this us versus them mentality or the flip side of that, which is equally dangerous. The everybody is equally wrong, equally to blame kind of mentality which is also not helpful because there are rights and wrongs in the world. Right. Um, and I, some, and a part of what's leading to this, I think is that, um, we, in an internet age, the we can connect so quickly to folks who are like us, mm. which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Particularly, I mean, for me, growing up as a gay teen in an evangelical home, being able to connect to other gay Christians was hugely important. Right, And yet, because social networks allow us to build these giant networks of of friends, it becomes really easy when somebody disagrees with us on something or does something we don't like to just unfriend them just cut them out rather Mm -hmm. than trying to work through the disagreement Mm -hmm. and so we end up in these echo chambers Mm -hmm. where we only listen to and talk to people who already think like us and we're preaching to the choir and we're hearing what we're preaching echoed right back to us and we lose the ability to understand people who are different from us which also means we lose the ability to reach them to change Mm -hmm. their minds Mm -hmm. and if we don't Learn how to have those conversations and find a way to have those conversations. I'm really worried about where we're going to go, yeah. Um, as a country, as a world, as a church. So, what do we do to fix that? Right. I mean that's that's really what what I'm interested in right now. Mm.
1: Yeah, because I mean the, I know for me that's that's such a temptation of that that kind of echo chamber because in some ways it, it, an echo chamber almost feels like a. A safe place. Like I know, I find myself on my Facebook, like hiding people that I don't necessarily agree with, simply because I feel like I don't have the capacity to engage. Yeah. But the flip side of that is what you're saying—that kind of being completely closed off to anyone who doesn't agree exactly with me. And I, I know for me, like there's there's even feelings of like hostility that come up uh, when approached by people who don't agree with me. Hmm. It, I, I'm curious, like, I, I've had this conversation with other people as well who who kind of have similar feelings. Like, how how do you work with that? Like, in your own life, when when you're feeling kind of those things or that temptation to block out or even that, like, I don't, I can't engage with this right now. How How do you work with that?
0: Well, I mean, I think, and this is where the nuance comes in. Mm-hmm. It's not an all or nothing proposition. Um, I mean, the reality is, like, the minute I say, uh, we need to talk to people who think differently from us. We need to to listen to them. so, you know, somebody's going to say, "Well, no, I'm in this situation where, or I know of this situation where, you know, this person's doing damage, and and it's really important to cut this person off so they stop doing damage." But well, okay, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that's the reality. Right. Uh, I don't I don't think it's you know it's one or the other. Right. Um, I think there are times when for your own mental health um your own well-being you you do need to cut somebody out of your life Mm. or at least take a break from them Mm -hmm. Uh, and it depends on the situation but i think that can't be the only way that we respond to disagreement Mm. um you know it's one thing to say that sometimes you have to resort to extreme measures because sometimes you do. But that doesn't mean that, you know, it's like, you know, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm -hmm. Like not every situation where we have political or religious or social disagreements has to be resolved by cutting the other person out of your life. Um, And sometimes you have to do the really difficult, uh, you know, work of, of sitting down with somebody And being the the bigger person, being the one to say, even though this person by all rights should be the one asking to listen to my perspective, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the one to listen to them first and try to understand them so that I can understand what it is that's motivating them so that I can have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. And is it fair that you should have to be the one to do that when perhaps they are the one who wronged you? Mm -hmm. No, it's not fair. Uh, But as a Christian, I have to say, nobody ever said that following Christ was fair. Mm. Um, You know, Jesus is all about somebody strikes you on one cheek, you know, turn to him the other cheek. And, you know, if somebody, you know, asks for this much, give them even more. And, you know, um, there is this sense in Christianity that doing the right thing means sometimes you give up what you are entitled to, Mm. what you by all rights should have, Um, for the sake of the gospel, yeah. and uh, it 's not easy mm-hmm. but but again you you can 't approach every situation as sort of one size fits all right. um, there are always exceptions uh and and maybe <laughs> I say there are always exceptions, maybe there are situations where there aren 't exceptions so there 's <laughs> even an exception to there always being an exception i don 't know mm-hmm. uh, but but i I do think um it 's worth having these conversations is I'm I'm writing a book about this right now Mm. um because I think this is really really important Mm. and uh so what I'm trying to do with this book is to take all of the things that I've learned in terms of what's worked and what hasn't worked in uh in like um 20 years I guess Mm -hmm. of of doing this kind of LGBT Christian conversation and talking to people who I I don't agree with. Right. Um, and, and say, how do we extrapolate from this? You know, what does this look like in other conversations? Um, and I don't think there are hard and fast answers all the time, but I do think that there are principles that we can operate by.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, this is, it, this is kind of the work you have been doing for, a good chunk of your life, like talking to people who disagree with you. Mm -hmm. And I think for so many of us who are just kind of starting to step into that work, we kind of stumble and fumble along and, and don't really know exactly what we're doing. We also have like our own identities at stake. It feels like at times, yeah. like what, what are some of those principles that like you would say have worked for you or maybe haven't worked for someone who's just stepping into this or like just starting to come out in a non-affirming church or or something like that? What kind of initial advice would you give?
0: Well, there are a lot of things. I mean, one of the things that I'll start off with is, is, uh, you, I want to say this in a nuanced way. Mm. On the one hand, I do think that there's some truth to the idea that you need to be, you need to get the support for yourself that, that you need to, like, be emotionally okay yeah. before you try to, like, enter the lion's den. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's okay to say, I am not in a place to have this conversation with this person right now because I'm still so emotionally raw on this subject that, like, this is not – I couldn't have this conversation in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And even sometimes in the middle of a conversation, sometimes I have to step away mm-hmm. and just say, I just am – not in a good place to continue this right now. I find myself getting really emotional, and and I don't think I'm going to be able to continue to have a gracious conversation with you right now. And uh, let's continue this another time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to be willing to say that. At the same time, I also think that sometimes you have to push yourself. So that's the nuance there. It's a little of both. Yeah. You know, I I I, I think about folks who are uh are are working out doing uh you know physically difficult things in order to build muscle lose weight whatever Mm -hmm. that is hard work and anybody who's ever tried to lose weight or build muscle knows that you don't get it easily right um it's hard and when you're in the midst of that when you're at the gym on that treadmill lifting the weights whatever it is you're doing there are lots of points along the way where you want to give up and you push yourself to keep going because you know that it's worth it in the end. Mm. And I think if we are willing to push ourselves physically, um, to improve our physical selves, we have to be willing sometimes to push ourselves emotionally, um, to, to improve our, our emotional and mental and spiritual selves. Mm -hmm. Um, the conversations that I have are not easy and people say, well, I don't you know I don't know how you talk to those people. I just can't talk to them. I just I get so frustrated right Yeah, you, you know what I get frustrated too.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And there are lots of times that over the last 20 years that I've wanted to give up and there are times like I say, you have to be able, be able to step away. But I also think sometimes you got to push yourself. And sometimes mm-hmm. you got to say, this is a really uncomfortable place for me to be. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be in this room with this person. I don't want to be having this conversation right now. This is awkward. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. But I believe that if this goes well, something good can come out of it. And so I want to push myself and mm-hmm. see what happens. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest tips that I can give anybody who's starting out trying to have difficult conversations is um, – listen Mm. it is the opposite of what we want to do Mm -hmm. when you are in a conversation with somebody where you don't agree with them and this is true this doesn't have to be a big social issue this can be just like you're having a fight with you know your significant other or your best friend or your mom or whatever our temptation when we have these disagreements is to uh talk first we 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 want to be heard Mm-hmm. We want them to hear us, and then once they've heard us, then we're willing to hear them out. You know, um, But the problem is they're operating the same way. And right. so we end up yelling at each other, and neither side is listening. Mm-hmm. And it seems really counterintuitive to listen to somebody if you know that they wronged you. Right. Why should I have to listen to them?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But part of it is, as a Christian, I think it's the right thing to do, but also um, it's the most effective thing to do. If you want someone to be willing to listen to you, the most effective way to get them there is to listen to them first Hmm. and make sure that you get to a point where they know that they've been heard and they feel heard by you. Hmm. Because once someone feels heard, then they calm down and then they're much more willing to listen. I I had a friend who uh, worked in customer service uh, that uh, his company trained him when dealing with an angry customer. Don't ever say calm down mm. because if you tell someone to calm down they're just going to get madder right. nobody wants to be told to calm down right. what you do instead is you listen and you empathize and you you know you say gosh that must have been really frustrating i'm so sorry that you had to you know go through that and and then once they feel like they've been heard then they calm down and then you have a chance to say what it is that you want to say to them mm-hmm. um, and of course like anything it's not that is that easy all the time right right. you know uh but i think it's a good place to start Mm -hmm.
1: that's that's such a difficult practice to cultivate (laughs) because it yeah no kidding it goes against (laughs) it goes against like everything and i mean for me what's coming to mind especially around like lgbt issues is like they're so core to our to our identities that i think is it, it can be really hard to separate ourselves from that um Mm -hmm. in these conversations which is i think some of the reason why they get so emotionally charged yeah and i think oftentimes i know i read pushback as an attack and i know i get really worked up sometimes when someone is pushing back uh especially around issues of identity Um, and I think I'm curious, like when it, when it does feel like an attack or when it does feel like it's hitting so close to the core of who I am, what does it look like to still engage with that person? Um, that is so hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it depends on the situation. Yeah. Like everything. Um, this is why I'd be a terrible politician because I'm always like, well, you know, it depends you know, it's so much, it's so much easier. And in a, in a clickbait age, it gets more clicks, mm. uh, to put things as strongly as possible right. and be, uh, very definite. You know, this is always the case and this is never the case. And, uh, you know, uh, but, but I don't think it's helpful. Mm. Um, so there are times when for me when something gets really personal and I just have to say maybe I'm not the you know maybe I've done as much as I can here right. maybe maybe I'm not the person to have this conversation uh maybe because this is so personal for me um m- you know m- maybe this is a situation where it would be helpful for uh, somebody who's an ally to come in and have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think if we don't want conversations happening about us without us, um, if we don't want the allies to be the only ones having the conversation, and I think we don't,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's true, uh, you know, whatever issue of identity you're talking about, right. then I think we have to be willing to engage at some point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also think often. There's something we can bring to the conversation that that somebody who's now like can't bring, Mm -hmm. you know, our personal experience. Right. Um, For me, I try to remind myself of uh, and this doesn't work in all situations. Mm -hmm. This works very uniquely in my uh, situation, you know, as as a a gay uh, evangelical Mm -hmm. that um, I had a lot of negative stereotypes about gay people before I realized I was gay. A lot of stuff that I heard growing up, a lot of stuff I believed. Mm -hmm. And so I try to put myself back in that situation as much as I can and, you know, in in that mindset and say, okay, how did I feel when I was there? What did I think was true? And and what did I say or might I have said in a situation like this Mm -hmm. when I had that mentality? Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And that helps me to um, not take it so personally when somebody says something hurtful because I think, gosh, you know what? I might have said that because I didn't understand. Right. Um, no, that doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are situations where, you know, maybe, maybe you've never been in a position of, uh, of not knowing what it's like to be who you are, you know, yeah. uh, but, um, but that can help. Uh, I think the other thing is to, to realize that, um, this person is not seeing, more generally, this person is not seeing the world um, the way you see it. They don't have the benefit of your experience. Right. There's a lot they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And yet often one of the the most dangerous things is we think we understand things that we don't know that we don't understand. Mm. Um, and so when when somebody is talking to you about your identity Mm
2: -hmm.
0: they're really not talking about you Mm -hmm. even though it seems like they are Mm
2: -hmm.
0: they're talking about their image of what this identity stands for politically socially theologically whatever Mm -hmm. based on the limited information that they have right and so that's not about you at all That's what's in their heads Mm -hmm. you know so when I'm talking to somebody about being gay and this person you know has this idea about gay people what they're arguing about is not about my experience as a gay man what they're arguing about is their image of what gay means right. And sometimes it can help to ask some questions mm. and try to figure out what does this person actually believe this is about? Yeah. What does this person believe that it means to be gay or bi or trans or queer or genderqueer mm. or, you know, whatever else you're mm. you're talking about? And uh, sometimes you might be surprised what they think that you mean. I mean, mm. like James Dobson, uh, who used to be with Focus on the Family and right. and no longer is, has said on multiple occasions – that the B in LGBT means orgies. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. I know a lot of LGBT folks who've said, uh, you know, sort of laughed at this and said, oh, you know, how stupid, and and, and thought that he was trying to exaggerate to make a point. Mm. I don't think he was. Mm. I think he genuinely believes that when somebody identifies as bisexual, that what they mean is that they are just constantly having sex with men and women Mm -hmm. and that's not what bisexual means right um and so you know when james dobson argues about that identity he's not arguing about someone's actual bisexual identity. He's arguing about the image of what bisexuality means that's in his head. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know that, then you're going to take it personally when it's not about you at all, because you're not what it is that's in his head.
1: Right. Yeah. It sounds like a very intentional choice to kind of cultivate and hold to a curiosity around what the other person is perceiving and what they're actually talking about.
0: That's such a great way of putting it. Let's just edit out everything I said and just put that <laughs> in. No. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> but that's like, I mean, and you're talking about it, but it's, it's like, it's so much easier said than done in the moment. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> My goodness. But but that that choice to continue to be curious... Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm just like imagining like how different the world would be if we all if we all did that.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm so afraid that people who have really been hurt, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have been hurt. Now, I've been hurt. I know how much this stuff can hurt. And I also recognize that I have a tremendous amount of privilege. And so right. there, you know, I know how much I've been hurt, but I don't know how much. Other people have been hurt in many other ways, you know, and so uh, there's always a part of me that I'm afraid that when I talk about this stuff, that uh, people will think that that I'm suggesting that this is an easy thing to do, that this is something that, you know, anybody can just sort of do it, and it's going to have magic immediate results. Right. And uh, and it's not that simple. Right. And the reality is sometimes you can do everything right and somebody still doesn't listen to you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, you can be really disappointed by what happens. Sometimes it's really hard, and sometimes um, it's just too much. Mm. Um, and so please don't hear me as as treating this Uh, you know, as, as if it were a simple thing. Right. Um, the reality is, uh, you know, it's like talking about, uh, you know, working out physically. Um, no matter how much I exercise, eat right, work out, whatever, um, there are things that some people can do that I will never be able to do. Right. I just don't have the genetics. I just don't have whatever takes, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I can't still work and improve myself. Right. Um, but I have to do it within the confines of what I can realistically do in a situation. Um, so yeah, it's not easy. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's not easy, Mm -hmm. but, 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 you know, as you say, I think if we all did this, we would be in a really different place than we're in right now. Mm -hmm. And just because it's hard and just because sometimes it doesn't yield results, I think is not a reason to, to give up and, and, Uh, hide in bubbles right a bubble can be important Mm. when you need to to regroup when you've been really hurt but but we can't all live our lives in bubbles
3: yeah
0: um because there is a whole world of people out there who don't see things the way that we do and they have power and they can make life difficult for other people even if they're out of our lives
1: yeah i think that that's a, a really important point of like Th- of acknowledging still our capacity for that curiosity and how situational that can be and contextual it can be based on the amount of harm or experience or whatever is in our own lives um, because i think because otherwise it, it can kind of come across as this almost glib or just surfacy just be curious when that's not what you're advocating at all it's it's a much deeper practice that takes a lot of work and some people can choose not to do that work for the sake of yeah. their own well-being.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, it, it, it's it's also not the same thing as uh legitimizing um another view. So like yeah. um you know I think a lot of people are concerned that if they are willing to listen to somebody that that's essentially legitimizing. Mm. And, and, and then, and then they immediately, I mean, are you suggesting that I legitimize, you know, Nazis or, you know, right. and, um, first of all, no, I mean, there are some groups like hate groups, for instance, I don't even have any interest in sitting down and listening to because right. I just don't think, you know, anything's going to come of it. Right. Um. But again, I think it's, it's important to, to be able to discern the difference between someone who just is being intentionally hateful and somebody who is saying things that may be deeply harmful but they don't truly understand the harm that they're doing right Uh, sometimes it's really easy to put somebody in the camp of of hate when they don't think that they're being hateful and and education would help Mm -hmm. Uh, but also uh listening is not legitimizing
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um it's it's a tool that you can use to help you have a, a better conversation. But but there's a goal, ultimately. I mean, the goal is you you want this person to stop doing harm. Yeah. And there are lots of people I've sat down with who I, I think that the views that they started with uh, were deeply harmful. I'm not at all suggesting that the views they started with were okay. Mm-hmm. But that's actually why I sat down with them. And ultimately, I was able to see them shift their views as a result of being able to hear from someone who they were hurting. Yeah. Um, or someone on behalf of those who they were hurting. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, every situation is different.
1: Right. So when can we expect this book? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: 2018.
1: 2018. Okay.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't have an exact publication date yet, right. but it'll be in 2018. It's uh, coming from Penguin Random House. Nice. Uh, so they've been really supportive, and I'm excited. So far, as of the recording of this podcast, i finished my first draft of the manuscript and the editors got it and uh then i know she'll send it back to me with all sorts of uh red markings all over it and yeah. then yeah, i'll do a bunch of editing. <laughs> uh um, but uh you know i hope it's good i mean i i'm certainly not gonna set myself up here as the uh the infallible expert right. uh but i i have made mistakes that that i can say oh, yeah don't do this Uh, I've seen things work that I could say, hey, this has worked for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And and mostly I want to encourage us to be thinking about this stuff, uh, sharing our best practices with one another. I would like to be part of that conversation uh, as we all seek to do a better and better job, Um, particularly those of us who are Christians. Mm -hmm. As Christians, I think we are called to lead the way when it comes to that kind of nuance, that kind of grace and love. Because remember, one of the core pieces of the gospel is this idea that God has forgiven us over and over and over again for much greater things than, than we could ever repay. Mm-hmm. And that because God has forgiven us, we're expected to then show grace to others. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's core to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I we've got to take that to heart. I mean, it's so easy to just get angry about the ways we've been wronged, and we would be justified in doing so were it not for this gospel that says that actually we have to show people grace even when they don't deserve it. That's when grace is needed is when it's not deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah. So uh, 2018 for the book, and um, I will be posting updates on my website. I have a. I mentioned at the beginning I'm a big geek, so... <laughs> I have a website uh, that I, I just recently set up at geekyjustin.com okay. <laughs> um, because mm. that's me. Yeah. And uh, it's got links to my social media and it's got my blog and it's got uh, – I'll be posting updates about the book and um, other stuff that I'm working on um, in terms of LGBT Christian stuff and more general kind of nuanced conversation stuff. Mm-hmm. Um as well as geeky stuff, because you know, now that I'm sort of out representing myself and not an organization, yeah. I can be off topic if I want to be, and it's okay. <laughs> so if I want to geek out about a board game or the fact that I live right next to Disney World or something, then I'm yeah. just going to do it and not yes. care what people say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Great, good. <laughs> uh, Justin, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's- it's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It's always great to talk to you. I yeah. let me let me say for the record, uh, I have a- appreciated your nuance um, on a variety of issues mm-hmm. for a long time, and um, I appreciate your willingness to uh, talk to people from different backgrounds and and um, let people speak for themselves mm-hmm. and um, and and I think on a number of occasions I've witnessed you putting things. Uh, into words in a way that was was really needed mm. and so i'm just uh very appreciative of of you and the work you do and appreciate your willingness to have me on even as i'm uh i've been a little sick this week my voice is a little bit shot but <laughs> hopefully <laughs> i'm doing all right mm. and uh thanks for this opportunity yeah
1: yeah thank you thank you means a lot <laughs> You can keep up with Justin over at his website, geekyjustin.com. He'll be posting updates about his new book, about the new ministry, Nuance Ministries, uh, and all of his social media links are over there as well, geekyjustin.com. Queerology is on Twitter, at QueerologyPod, or you can tweet me directly, at Matthias Roberts. Queerology is produced with support from listeners just like you. Uh, head over to MatthiasRoberts.com slash support to find out how you can support chorology. A really easy way to do that is to write a review on iTunes. You can do that right in iTunes or go to MatthiasRoberts.com slash review. That'll take you right there. And as always, if you have ideas of who you'd like to hear on chorology, uh just let me know. Send me an email, a contact form on my website. Hope you all have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye!